Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Police in Phoenix, Arizona, were asked to solve the mystery of a limb found in a dumpster. From just a small body part, archaeologists, toxicologists, and DNA scientists pieced together enough information about the victim to lead police to the killer. June 8, 1992, a man looking through a garbage dumpster made a frightening discovery. A dumpster diver found a large plastic bag, which he unwrapped, not knowing what was in it, and discovered this severed leg. There was also a saw. Phoenix homicide detectives Rico Fragoso and Joseph Petrosino were first on the scene. I think the longer I stay here, the more bizarre the cases become. The waste management driver, Jesse Pena, told police he emptied the dumpster just one hour earlier. Where the dumpster is right now is not where I left it. So somebody pushed it back. I don't know who it was. I immediately thought this guy, meaning the victim, has been scattered probably through all the dumpsters in the area. And now we're going to need to go out and try and locate the rest of the body in the other dumpsters. Detectives searched every dumpster within a five-mile radius. They were hoping to find more of the body to compare to dental records, fingerprints, or missing persons reports. They found nothing. Although there wasn't much to autopsy, the medical examiner could tell it was the leg of a male Caucasian between 30 and 40 years old. The presence of scars on the knee are helpful in that this is a person who's had either trauma or surgery, in this case, surgical-type scars. He's had surgical uh, intervention on the knee. Initially, investigators thought the scars would help identify the victim until they learned how common knee surgery had become. The muscle from the thigh of the leg was analyzed, and in the screening for the common drugs of abuse, we found uh, significant levels of methamphetamine, or speed, and trace quantities of its primary metabolite, amphetamine. A possible indication the incident was drug-related, and Dr. Keene could tell that the victim was dead before the leg was removed. The relative absence of blood in the leg was indicative that the leg had been severed after death when there was no ongoing active circulation in the body. This clearly was not uh, 
natural disease and uh, did not have the, the features of an accident such as an industrial accident. The precise mechanism of death uh, was not apparent with the examination of just the leg, so we classified the death as a homicidal violence, manner of death homicide. An anthropologist measured the femur, the largest bone in the body, and estimated the victim was six feet tall. There were no missing persons reports of a 30 to 40 year old white male, six feet tall, possibly involved with methamphetamine. Methamphetamine is an illegal street drug, a stimulant commonly known as speed or crank. By the mid-1990s, authorities say that Mexican drug lords were funneling huge amounts of methamphetamine into Arizona. Methamphetamine overtook cocaine as the number one drug of addiction reported by Arizona drug treatment centers. With the rise in the use of methamphetamine, there was also a rise in the number of people involved in manufacturing and distribution. Several days after the discovery of the limb, investigators got a telephone call about a missing methamphetamine dealer. Police hoped it was the break they were looking for. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Police in Phoenix, Arizona, had a seemingly impossible task to find a killer loose in their city when their only evidence was a severed leg. Forensic tests revealed the individual was a male Caucasian, six feet tall, between 30 and 40 years old. Not long after these forensic tests were completed, a woman called police headquarters asking how to fill out a missing persons report. She said her boyfriend hadn't returned home. She said it wasn't uncommon for him to leave town, go to Las Vegas, be there for a couple of days, but he'd always returned, he'd always... Uh, answered pages and phone messages, and that wasn't happening in this case. The woman said her boyfriend was Norman Kloss, and at first glance, matched the profile. Kloss was 32 years old, stood six feet tall, had undergone knee surgery, and was a methamphetamine dealer. He was a uh, friendly, outgoing, social type of person. He had plenty of friends in the valley. No one ever said anything derogatory about Norman that I know of or that I recall. 
Although Norman Kloss was well-liked, he undoubtedly had his share of enemies. Kloss's girlfriend, Patricia, identified the surgical scar and the tennis shoe and sock as the type Norman usually wore. But investigators wanted to be certain of the identification, so they suggested DNA testing. If the leg was thought to have come from Norman Kloss, you know, let's get his parents and let's do a reverse paternity. Since half of our DNA comes from our mother and half from our father, it would have been simple to determine if the limb was Norman's by comparing his DNA to his parents' DNA. But when detectives learned Kloss was adopted, they knew that would be impossible. Scientists hoped to find some other way to make an identification. In researching Kloss's background, police discovered that he had donated one of his kidneys to his younger sister. On a long shot, police contacted the hospital in Houston, Texas, where the transplant had taken place. Cell samples are routinely taken from prospective donors to make sure the recipient won't reject their organ. Fortunately for investigators, the hospital in Houston had a policy of keeping its cell samples for 100 years. DNA testing would be possible after all. This autoradiograph shows the DNA from the leg muscle compared to the cells taken from Norman Kloss. The interpretation of autorads are very simple. You're doing simple pattern comparison. You're looking at DNA banding patterns, asking the question, are the DNA banding patterns the same? Are they in the same orientation, in the same location on the autorad? The leg or the muscle tissue from the leg originated from Norman Kloss. I was very ecstatic when I found this out and I notified his family back in, in Texas. Now that police had positively identified the victim, their focus turned to identifying the killer. Police began questioning Norman's friends to determine his whereabouts on his last day alive. Norman's girlfriend, Patricia, was the most helpful. We learned from her that Norman had kind of a colorful past as a, a methamphetamine cooker. One of the people that he probably had seen last was his business partner, who was also a methamphetamine cooker by the name of Graham King. And the two of them had been friends for a long time, but had recently had a fallen out and had become uh, rivals in the drug business. Detectives found Norman Kloss's car just a block away from King's home. With a search warrant, detectives wanted to find a safe way to search King's home, which was a fortress. Two vicious Rottweilers guarded the backyard. Cameras were mounted outside, giving King a 360-degree look around the entire circumference. Gun ports provided a clear shot to every inch of the property. The doors and windows were reinforced. Anything less than a bulldozer wasn't going to get you in in a timely fashion. And certainly, as a drug manufacturer, that would give him time to dispose of a lot of the evidence. Police waited until King walked outside to his car before serving the search warrant. Once inside the house, investigators uncovered an arsenal. He was into weapons, all sorts of weapons. 
firearms and crossbows and throwing knives and knives and everything is hidden inside of the, the residence and nooks and crannies that he specially made for these weapons in his bed, in the walls, behind doors. He had every known weapon you can think of from weapons made 400 years ago to the present time. Detectives also found marijuana and methamphetamine. He probably tasted his product way more often than uh, he should have. Uh, it might have affected his, uh, his reasoning. And in the laundry room, investigators noticed that someone, presumably King, had recently painted the walls and floor. You could tell it was fresh paint. The smell was still there of the paint. You could also detect an odor of either pine salt or Clorox, very strong presence in the laundry room. But could investigators find out if the laundry room had been the scene of violence, or did they get there too late? The new paint had covered potential evidence, or did it? In the laundry room of Graham King's home, the walls and floor had recently been painted and the room disinfected. Either King was a meticulous housekeeper or he had gone to a great deal of trouble to hide something. Determined to find which one it was, investigators removed the laundry table that was built into the wall. Behind the table were some tiny spots. We found some spots which we believe to be blood. We took samples of that and then we cut out the entire wall. The spots were evaluated with a Kasselmeyer test, which reacts with the iron component in blood. That test was positive. But despite the flushing and washing attempts, uh, they were still able to find the traces of human blood and identify the, the scene as being a scene of uh, considerable bloodletting. The next step was to determine whose blood. The DNA from the tiny specks on the wall was compared to the DNA from the muscles in the amputated leg. They matched. Wow. It rein reinforced my, my belief in the power of RFLP technology and DNA technology at, at, at the time. Graham King refused to answer questions. But police soon got an unexpected break. A telephone call from one of King's friends who had suspected King was involved in foul play. The caller was Troy Killup, who said he was working in Graham King's backyard when Norman Kloss went inside, but never came out. Although he wasn't an eyewitness, he was the next best thing, an ear witness. This is his audio tape statement to police. I heard a bunch of screaming, scuffling. I heard somebody yell, well, kill me. Kill me, just kill me. And the man screamed my name. I heard the gunshot, the whole deal. I heard him cutting the man up with an axe. I don't know for a fact because I can't visualize it, but I can reconcile with the sounds and the things that I heard. You know, and he'll never leave it. 
Roy Killup told police he waited for an hour, then knocked on the door to collect his tools. Killip also said that King and Kloss were involved in a dispute, but it wasn't about drugs. It was about a woman. Graham King's girlfriend had been involved with Norman Kloss, and she might have become pregnant because of Norman Kloss. Graham King found out, and that's what caused, we think, or motivated the, the murder. Graham King was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. Despite the results of DNA tests and the medical examiner's opinion that Norman Kloss was dead before his leg was removed, Norman's girlfriend, Patricia, refuses to believe Norman is dead, which was evident when we asked her for an interview. Norman's not dead. His death was staged, and I just feel like the show is not based on truth, and therefore I can't in good conscience contribute to it. Patricia believes Norman faked his own death to avoid a drug-related confrontation. As prosecutors prepared for the trial, they had another challenge, persuading their primary witness to testify. Prosecutors believe that Norman Kloss went to Graham King's home unaware that King was angry with him for his involvement with his girlfriend. The two argued. He placed the body into garbage bags. Sometime later that night, he dumped the bags in various dumpsters throughout the city. Although King painted and disinfected the laundry room, the tiny specks of blood on the wall behind the laundry table proved to be his undoing. We missed about four square feet of a wall that was able to deliver up enough evidence to positively say this is where this happened at. And King placed one of the limbs in a dumpster that was completely empty. Unfortunately for him, the dumpster had been emptied out, I believe, an hour prior to him dumping that one leg in there. Otherwise, we would have never found Norman Kloss. He would still be a missing person. None of Norman Kloss's other body parts were ever found. This case required a wide variety of forensic techniques. Anthropology determined the victim's height. Toxicology found the methamphetamine. DNA tests matched tissue cells from the victim, which had been in storage for 10 years. Finally, the Castle Meyer test identified what the killer never saw. A tiny speck of blood behind a laundry table, which DNA testing confirmed was Kloss's. It goes from, how are you ever going to prove this case just with a leg, to it's proved with 
medical and testimonial uh, certainty. In the not-too-distant future, DNA tests on a single drop of blood will be able to identify such things as the victim's gender, their hair and eye color, height, weight, and ethnicity. Before the trial, prosecutors suffered a setback when their witness, Troy Killup, refused to testify, saying he feared for his life. I'm not going to go in no courtroom, no nothing. No way, no how. These guys made three and a half million dollars last year. I don't know if this man is going to pick up and push out and come looking for me. He's got the money to do whatever he needs to do. So prosecutors reached a plea agreement with Graham King. I made an accommodation because these people, you know, had fears of this Graham King. King agreed to plead guilty to second-degree murder, which carries a sentence of 20 years in a maximum security prison, instead of going to trial and risking the death penalty. He got a bargain. He got the deal of a lifetime. 20 years, he's not going to be that old when he gets out. Certainly not for, uh, not for somebody that cooks methamphetamine and kills people. I'm very concerned with, with Mr. Graham King being released, uh, and I think he will be a menace to society. I think it'll happen again. So this is one of the cases that I that I do remember, and and whenever I give tours or give DNA talks uh, to to college classes and such, um, this is the one story that I will always bring up. But even now, ten years later. Norman Kloss's girlfriend still does not accept the forensic results. She continues to believe that Norman faked his own death and that one day he will return. Hello, please leave a message at the phone and Norman and I will return your call. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye.